0: Well, welcome to November of 2020. We're almost done, hopefully, right? Uh, Have you guys ever just like really wanted something bad? And I I think it's kind of different maybe as as a kid because as an adult, you can just like go get a loan or put it on the credit card, which probably isn't a good idea. But uh, I remember when I was a teenager, maybe even like 12, I uh, really wanted a guitar amp because I've been given an electric guitar, and um, I literally like had to rig it so I could play it. And I had it plugged into like old computer speakers through like five different adapters so that I could like, hear it happening. And I was like, I need a real guitar amp. And so I got a paper route, and uh, between my seventh and eighth grade year, and. Um, i saved up my money the whole summer so I could buy this guitar. But I was first really excited about my paper route because I was like, this is gonna give me money, you know, get all this stuff. And I was excited because we were delivering the, the papers at Council Bluffs were delivered in the middle of the day. So I was like, I don't have to wake up early, except on the weekends, it's gonna be fine. And uh, But instead, as the summer went on, I started to hate my paper route because it meant like in the middle of the day, when everybody else was off doing cool things, I had to go home and deliver papers. And, um, that was really frustrating because I didn't get dropped off to my to my house until like one o'clock, and so it wasn't even like I could just do it earlier if I wanted to. And uh, so I, you know, my parent like my family would go to the pool and be like, "Sorry, Andrew, you gotta stay home because you have a paper okay. And uh, so I just sit at home by myself and uh, prep newspapers and go deliver. And then on the weekends when all my friends were like, "Yeah, come stay the night in my house," I'm like, "I can't. I have to get up and deliver papers in the morning." And I was really bummed, and it was kind of like. Turned into this horrible thing in my mind. By the end of the summer, I finally had saved up enough money to buy a guitar amp. And went and picked it out. And like, now that I look back on me, that was totally worth it. Because I, I needed that and all the hard work that I put into that was totally worth it. And um, Jesus in Luke 14:28, it says that he had a paper route. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't say <laughs> It says, but don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? And uh, today, and for the next few years, we're going to talk about this idea of counting the cost. And uh, so, I I like finding good deals. Victoria's um, always like, yeah, I'm sure it's a good deal, but like, don't no, you spend more money?" And I'm uh, like, "But it's a good deal, you know." And uh, but I, I I dig into. It. I love finding the good deals. Like whenever I'm going to buy anything, I never just go to the first place that I see it at. I go all over the internet, I look like, can I get it on Facebook Marketplace? Can I get it in town here? Do I need to drive to you know, Chicago? Like If it's worth it, it's worth it, you know? And um, there, there's so much more to counting the cost than just what the number says, especially with like, trying to find these deals, like you're buying it used, is it that used? Are you gonna have to fix it? But if you get it cheap enough, it's probably still better to fix it, and I didn't spend as much as if it's new, and you know, I got all the arguments, Victoria knows. But, uh, there's a cost to pretty much everything in life, and everything that we choose to do. First um, Corinthians seven twenty three says, "God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world." Because of the sin of Adam and Eve, like we talked about um, a few weeks ago, that we are all born to the world as slaves to sin, and God had to pay a high price for us to have us back. What do you think the value of a person is today? Right, so if, if we took the average price of a slave from like the 1800s, it was roughly like $400 to buy a person. Today's money, that would average somewhere between like $80,000 and $120,000. Um, and a slave at that time, they could usually buy their freedom, if they could earn enough money to pay their worth to their owners, they could buy their freedom, but that's a lot of money. Slaves in today's world are actually really cheap, and that's a very saddening thing. That globally it costs around $90 anymore for someone to accumulate some slaves because we still have that in our world. Some are more, some are for less, depending if you want labor slaves or sex slaves, a whole bunch of horrible things that are still out there. According to the FBI, the average cost to hire a hitman, which is kind of the value of somebody's life, is somewhere around $20,000. The cost is anywhere from a few hundred dollars to a few hundred thousand dollars, if offered, um, if offered rates or anything to go by. Okay, this um, according to a, an article from with an undercover investigator, Gary Johnston, in Texas. Um, he's been hired by like more than 60 Texans to kill their enemies or for whatever reason over 20 years. And he said the highest end of that, um, somebody offered $200,000 in jewels as just the down payment to get her husband killed. At the low end, a teenager once offered him seven Atari games, $3 bills, $3 in bills, and $2 in um, 30 cents in nickels and dimes. Uh, you know, and uh, I just want to let you know, if I disappear, please tell my FBI agent it was just research for my sermon, um, because my search is so yeah. But Judas was paid, or Judas was paid about 30 pieces of silver for Jesus' life, uh, which was, you know, roughly a third of a year's wages. So what cost did God pay for us? Well, the word says that he paid a high price, and the highest kind of set price we discussed so far is $120,000 for everyone who has ever lived in will Roughly 100 billion people, they say, um, the Population Reference Bureau says, have lived on the earth up till now. So if we take that times the high price, we have $120 quadrillion. That's a lot of money. Right? You know that $1 trillion Would buy everybody in Iowa a house with a two-car garage and two vehicles for that garage, and there would probably still be some money left over. And 120 quadrillion is 120,000 times that amount. That's a lot of money. But that's not even the full cost, because then he still has to pay for everybody who ever is going to live, and that's another like 131 million births around the world. You know, another like 15 trillion dollars on top of that. Basically, lots and lots and lots of money would be the highest cost, even if it was cheap. And only $90 a person, it would still be trillions of dollars, with billions of dollars added on every year. But as you guys know, our cost is in money. Um, Romans 6 23 says, For the wages of sin is dead, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Just like slaves could be bought for their worth, and they could buy their own um, freedom if they could pay it, we have a cost for our freedom freedom from sin. That cost is death and it, and it was pain. Today we're, we're talking about salvation and we're still in our series, The Core Truths. We're looking at the core beliefs about Christianity, the core beliefs of our church and to our faith. And, um, our We Believe statement for today is we believe because of our total inability to save ourselves. Salvation is by God's grace alone. It is received by faith with repentance and acceptance of Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And there is another piece of that, that that we believe Jesus Christ was the sacrifice God planned from the foundation of the world for the sin of human race. By shedding his blood and dying on the cross, Jesus made provision. We often think about salvation as the cost that we have to pay, or what are we getting out of this, but we don't always think about everybody who counted a cost. See, God counted a cost too. He went back and forth saying are you guys worth it? Am I worth it? Are you are you worth it? And God decided after weighing all the options that we are worth it. For this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The cost God paid was the death of his own son. He bought our freedom and he gave us life just like buying a slave and giving them their freedom. Instead of us having to buy our own freedom, which is impossible, he paid for it. And salvation is just that—it's a, a deliverance from sin, from its consequences, and but more than that, it's a glorious hope of a future of abundant and eternal life with Jesus. Amen. Amen. The, word, the word salvation comes from the Greek word soteria, which comes from the word soter, which means saving. And soteriology is the, the study or the doctrine of salvation, the study of that. Um, and salvation has many, many pieces to it. And like you've noticed, a lot of these core things, we we tend to complicate it because we're trying to figure it out. right? Man is always, we're trying to solve everything. We want to know how it works. They give lots of names and processes to it. So if you dig into so, soteriology, there's a lot to it. We can ask Ron back there. We, we have a lot of discussions about it and stuff. But... Um, so while we cover a lot here the next few weeks, um, we're still going to try and keep it simple because it should be simple enough to understand to put your faith in One of the more complicated pieces of salvation, which is simple, but the idea sounds more complicated, is this that when we come to Jesus we are saved. We still are being saved, and we will be saved. And this comes... Based off lots of verses, but there's one verse in particular that kind of clearly states it, and that's from Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.10, and he said this about Jesus, and he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. He did rescue He will rescue us again, and he will continue to rescue us. So over the next few weeks, we're going to look at these pieces, kind of broken up, but basic terms from right now is that we are saved. When we come to know Jesus, when you believe in him and you put your faith in that he died and rose again, you are saved. But yet, we are still being saved at the same time, and this has a a Christianese term called sanctification. While we are saved, we are still being, we still have to live out our salvation, we're still changing. The moment you get saved, not... I don't, you still have to learn to adapt your life and change your life so that it reflects Jesus. And that process of living out your salvation is called sanctification, the process of being saved. And then we will be saved at the very end of our life, whether um, we enter heaven through death or through the return of Jesus, we will be saved. And today we're going to talk about that first part, that we are saved. Once we come to the line, Titus three. 3. Uh, 3 through 7 says, Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Amen. And so it's, it's so easy to look at how rebellious and how sinful man has over the course of centuries been and continuously seeming to get worse. Why would God even bother with us? Maybe even greater question is why would God say that my perfect son is an equal price for their lives? And again, we come back to John 3, 16 and 17. It says, for this is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world but to save the world through him. God saved us because of his love for us. 1 John 4, 8 says, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God saved us because he could not remain God and not save us. He, him being the embodiment of love and everything in it, that if he just left us destined for our sin, just left us there with no opportunity, with no way to bring back to him, he could not remain God because he is love. That's a, that verse for, for this is how God loved the world. It's not even that. It's like because God is love, he gave his one and only son. Second answer to that um, question is that, that God saved us because of his grace. Ephesians 2, 7 8 says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth, of his grace and kindness towards us. As shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I love that when it talks about the incredible wealth of God, it doesn't refer to money; it refers to grace and kindness. You, know, you picture like kings, or you picture like uh, Aladdin, you know, and the, the treasure rooms just filled with gold and treasure chests and all sorts of things. And, and but if you walked into God's treasure room, it's filled with grace and kindness and mercy and love. And that's the room that that comes out of everything that he does. When he goes, I need to go pay for something, it comes out of mercy and love and his wealth of kindness and grace. See, only the Christian faith offers to humankind a deliverance uh, of freedom that is in no way based on our own efforts, but simply the undeserved favor and the grace of God. Amen. Amen. Salvation is necessary like in our core value that this needed to happen and it is an important step that we need to take as humans we have been separated from God because of our sin and Adam's sin as we talked about weeks ago Romans 5.12 says when Adam sinned sin entered the world and Adam's sin brought death so that death spread to everyone for everyone sinned Romans 5.16 a couple verses later says and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin for Adam's sin led to condemnation but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Because of Adam, we're all sinners, and the penalty of sin is death, as we read in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Salvation is necessary, because without it, we're just left to die. Like I was saying before, people love to complicate things, and because of that, there's many different views right here about this, this idea Open Bible holds to the view um, And the kind of majority of Christianity um, Believes today that that Death means eternal life in hell Without Jesus Your death means your eternal life in hell And Jesus talked a lot about hell or, or a place of eternal punishment In Matthew 25, 46 he says And they will go away into eternal punishment But the righteous will go into eternal life But there is still a, a part of Christians that they don't believe that hell is an actual place or an eternal place if it does exist. A place where somebody would spend eternity. And uh, in general, this view can be referred to as universal Christianity, and it's been around for a long time. It's not just brand new. Some people think, oh, well, Rob Bell just brought it up and he wrote his book, Love Wings, you know, a few years ago that made it really controversial, got a whole bunch of bad press, really, probably, and uh, it, I think a lot of, of evangelical Christians, didn't know that this was an existing thought from, like, a well, long, like, thousands of years. Um, and I, I've actually read the book, and uh, he makes some really good points, and um, I don't lean that way. I don't lean towards universal Christianity because um, I, it's just not where I stand, but I see where they come from because they have biblical support for it. And it wouldn't be a... Ideology of Christianity If there was no biblical support for it But basically What they believe is because God is love That he will continue to chase down every lost sheep Until they come to him Even if it's chasing them down From hell after their death Many believe that hell exists But you don't spend eternity there You, you spend some time fulfilling some amount Of your consequences for your actions On earth but then you get a chance to come to Jesus Then no, and I I, I I have not died I don't, know. I, I don't know what exactly happens after my death I don't know exactly what happens now, there's scriptures all over like I said, these are their beliefs are scripturally based just as well as ours are scripturally based but the common thing that we can hold to is that Jesus' death was still very needed there's a Brian McLaren, I think is his name, he's a a really well-known Christian universalist uh, preacher. And I was listening to a podcast and uh, he was on as a guest and they asked him, and I think I brought this up before, but they asked him, well, if hell doesn't exist, why do we want to believe in Jesus to this day? And he said, oh, I thought we believe in Jesus because we love him for what he's done for us, not because we're scared of hell. And I was incredibly convicted at that moment Because, like, wow, that's the only reason I want to be with Jesus is my ticket out of hell. Then I'm probably not living a Christian life anyways. His beliefs may differ from mine, but if he's believing that Jesus death gives him new life today, then we probably don't differ that much. And if you're only following Jesus because you don't want to go to hell, then you're probably not really following Jesus. Because here's the deal, when I read the Gospels, when I read the accounts of Jesus' life, yes, he talks about um, heaven and and hell, but he also talks about how we're supposed to live life now. And he was very concerned about that. More than about future life, he was very concerned about living life now, bringing heaven to earth now, and and finding your eternal life now. Because eternity, when we talk about eternal when it becomes to God... We don't think about just the future to God. We think about how he exists before the farthest thing in history that we know. And when you come to know Jesus, your eternal life doesn't start after your death. Your eternal life starts now. You're now connected into heaven, into realities that don't exist here now. We have access to that. That's why Jesus said that that heaven is near. And in his prayer, he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And that idea of heaven is here on earth without Jesus, it can literally be hell on earth. We'll talk more about eternal things later When we, in a couple weeks when we talk about we will be saved. So. But again, that common thing that we can hold to you is that Jesus' death was needed. Without it, all mankind would suffer. And whether or not he saves everyone eventually or just those that turn to him now, he still offers life and life abundantly today those who come to Him. Salvation is offered and is initiated by God. It's not something that, that we have control over. As we talked about earlier, you cannot pay the price for your freedom. God initiated it by already paying for it and already marked you paid for it. Romans 5.8 says, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. While we were in our worst, He still came to die for us. Salvation is is offered to us because of God's grace. It says He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Ephesians 1 7. We need to understand that no matter the situation, we do not deserve God's salvation. It's only by God's grace. Salvation is a, a free gift. As we count the cost, we must remember what we, we read in Romans six twenty three, this is like the fourth time now, but that the free gift of God is eternal life. Free gift. There's nothing we can pay, there's nothing we can do to earn it. Salvation does not come to us through our good works or a sincere effort. There's a lot of people out there who say, Well, I'm going to go to heaven because I'm a good person. It doesn't happen without Jesus. As we read in Titus 3, 5, he saved us not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. Amen. So how do we receive this free gift? Now that we've heard some parts of this cost, it's free, it saves us from death, it allows us to enter eternal life. I mean, what's not to like about that, right? And Maybe you're like, sign me up, but first tell me the catch. You know, right? Like the internet deal, like says free, but... When I click on that link, now I'm like stuck buying like 10 other things first before I get the free item or like, sure, it's free, but then I got to pay shipping, like, right? You know, to me, it's kind of like those deals on the, the, the good ones. They're actually free. They're like, yeah, we're going to send this to you free. No shipping charges, no nothing. But you got to put your name on this email list. Okay, put your name your email list. It's really not a cost. It's just some steps, some actions you got to do, you know. And that's kind of where salvation is, right? Salvation is there, but there is, there's just some steps. It's not a cost. There's just some actions, some things we need to do to, to get there. And that it's really a, a change of heart. And it's that first thing that we need to repent. You know, a few weeks back while we were talking about baptism, we shared the end of Peter's first message in Acts 2. And the people were like, okay, we've heard about Jesus. What do we do now? In verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Step one, that, that first fill in the blank on when you're trying to receive this free gift is you need to repent. And that is understanding that we are sinners in need of a savior. I don't think it's even as much the action because again, that would, would then be us doing something to receive it. I think it's important in the, the second half of, of being saved, that we are being saved, to turn from our sins and, and make changes in our life. But this we are saved mm-hmm. is important because that repentance just is more of a recognition that we need God. That I can't do this, I need you, God. Which leads to step two, which is that faith, which is that believing. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. When you believed, when you put your faith in God, you are saved through Jesus. Paul said in Romans, and I'm kind of adding to this, in Romans 10, 9, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We need to confess and we need to declare. And again, you might be thinking, well, that's a lot of things. Those sound like action steps for a free gift. I thought I didn't didn't have to do anything to receive this gift. But the problem is, like, you, if you don't really believe you need Jesus, then you're not going to put your faith in him. These aren't steps as much as, like, physical ways you can see that you actually believe. Right? Confessing, telling people, hey, I believe in Jesus, is, is openly, openly proclaiming Jesus. If you don't believe it, you won't tell somebody. Right? When we speak something, it becomes real, and this is it, name it, claim it, or speaking things into existence. This is just how humans work. It's naturally hard for us to tell someone something we don't truly believe. Well, should be, right, for most people. But if we believe it, we can speak it freely. They talk about this a lot um, in, like, goals for your life or things. Like, you need to tell people that's what you're going to do, and then you'll do it. Because when, but if we can't tell people we believe in Jesus, you probably haven't actually put your faith in Jesus. If you don't recognize that I am not okay without Jesus, then you probably haven't put your faith in Jesus because you're still putting your faith in yourself because you're already okay enough. I mean, the repentance, the confessing, it's not steps to earn it because, again, we cannot earn it. It's just reflections that we have. Now, we can go much deeper into the salvation theories and how this all works and talk about all the Christian use terms, but I don't think they matter. We just need to understand that through Jesus' death, evil was defeated, death was defeated. And we have been set free at the cost of Jesus' death and life. And now we can follow Jesus into eternity that starts the moment you believe. If everybody could just bow their heads and close their eyes, I just want you to just listen and just picture this happening. Imagine if you bought something that cost everything you had. Everything you had in savings, you sold everything you owned. You put all of your money into this one thing that you wanted so bad, And it was never delivered. It never showed up. You had no way to contact them. There was, there was no return or refund policy. But you just wanted what you paid for. And how would you feel? How frustrated would you be? that... That's what God feels, I think, for people around him. It's not this angry anger that you haven't come to him. It's this desire that, like, man, I just want it so bad. I've paid everything for it. Because God has made a cost for you. He bought you from your slavery, from your rough life. He brought you from pain and suffering, from restlessness and worry and anxiety and strife. To bring you to a life of freedom and to peace. To healing and relief, and yet we haven't delivered ourselves to him yet. I mean, how silly would it be for a slave whose price was paid to choose to stay a slave and be treated as one? There was a debt that all of us owed, but God has paid it for us, and all we need to do is accept it. Have you counted the cost? Have you ever thought that you were worth nothing? That's a lie, because both God and Jesus counted the cost and decided that you were worth the highest price, and they paid in full, up front, No matter what you have done, you can be free. We have been paid for. We have been bought. It's time to be set free. See, maybe this is the first time that you've heard what God has done for you this way. Maybe this is the first time it's hitting you in a way that, that makes sense and you understand it. And you're ready to accept that you've been bought and you want to walk into that freedom. All you need to do is believe. And if that's something you want to do or you are doing currently believing, I want you to raise your hand because this motion doesn't get you saved. It doesn't do anything but allow me to pray with you. So if that's you, if you would raise your hand. Please. Thank you. And maybe you knew about this for a while. Maybe you're like, yeah, I believe I've been paid for, it, but you've still been living as a slave. You went back to the world and you're ready to be like, okay, God, I'm sorry that I've been living not how you've paid for me for it. And I, I want to live that way now. If that's something you want to do, you can raise your hand. If you raise your hand at all, I just want you to look up at me. God's paid for you you are free and all it takes is believing it's already been done there's nothing that you can do or can't do to, to lose it to receive it it's just believing and understanding that it's there for you walk in that today if you really truly believe it tell somebody today hey I, I do believe Jesus died for me and that's it nothing crazy, it's no special prayer there's no special words that make it happen it's just believing and knowing that you've been bought and walking in that and God has big things you're worth so much to him so much It's, it's when I sit here and I count this cost that it it's just so overwhelming to me because there's so many days I wake up thinking, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth anything. I don't even really know why I do what I do. But God decided I was worth everything to Him. And it's silly of me to to avoid that. Before we close the day, we're, we're taking communion. So we do on the first Sunday of the month. And uh, so if you grab your little communion thing on your way in, um, we're going to put on some music here a little bit. We're going to do like we did um, last month, and we're just going to do it in a little group you can do it with your family or do it with um, some a few people around you. There'll be instructions on the screen. But when Jesus put into place communion, he was with his disciples, and this was before he had given his life on the cross, and he told them, like, hey, I'm about to lay down my life for everybody. And when you take communion, remember what I've done for you. Remember the price I'm paying so as we take communion today remember that remember maybe you've been saved for a long time and you, you miss out on that the same excitement you had at first in knowing your value to God and that Jesus gave his life for you and so as we take communion just I, I don't know kind of remember it in that way so um, instructions will be up on the screen there's a verse to read and then you can just pray together in your group and, uh, and then take communion and I'll come up and dismiss you guys at the end. So if you're still finishing up, you can finish up and stuff, but we're just gonna pray and uh, dismiss you guys. So. God, we're just we're just completely overwhelmed with thankfulness right now and that that you considered all of us valuable enough, even in our worst places, you still consider us valuable enough to send the only perfect being that's ever walked on this earth for us. I pray that we would walk in full belief in that today. And when we sit back, we count the cost of, of what you've paid, that we realize the value and the worth that you have decided we are worth. I pray that you would just um, I don't know, continue to open our hearts and let us really receive that, Lord, let us really receive you and um, the salvation and understanding that we're free now and we can use our freedom to glorify you in everything that we do, God. There isn't anything directly specific just choosing to honor you, God, in every action that we take. But I pray that you would just I don't know, move through us. God, help us to just live the, the life that you've called us to live, that we would step out of the slavery that you bought us from, that we would step out of the world and, and live in uh, your kingdom, that we would invite heaven to earth and, and be a part of those eternal realities now. God. Thank you for the life that you gave for us. So that we could have life now. You are I'm Amen. Amen. Go be productive for Jesus this weekend.